Striking while the iron's hot to be your authoritative voice for New Mexico soccer. Welcome to We Are Seek and Strike podcast. Sponsored by Roughneck Scarves and Icarus FC. Brought to you by Beautiful Game Network. Find us on the web at seekandstrikecollective.com. Welcome to season three of We Are Seek and Strike podcast. I'm your host, Chris Walker, and with me, as always, the exclusive one, Alicia. How are you doing tonight? It's really good to be back, Chris. It's like a little bit surreal, kind of what's been going on with the USL season and uh, you know, getting to go to a preseason game here at home, maybe it's not the lab, but hey, at least we got something. Right on. So, uh, so, so, kind of, man, it's been a while. Like, if I was just thinking about it the other day, I was listening to another podcast, and uh, and it's it's March, it's the middle of March, and you remember, I mean, some of us, like I had had gone to Austin, and we were we were getting ready to, I guess. Right after we got back, that's when they they postponed the season. The season was like pretty much like starting to go into lockdown. Yeah, no, I remember that perfectly because that was the last time, you know, I kind of went out like in normality because it was, I remember perfectly, it was March 7th. I was at the Salt Yard at a watch party, watching the game, you know, hanging out with the other fans and stuff. And three days later, like, the whole world is on lockdown. And then they, people were wondering, well, are we still going to play Tulsa the following week on Saturday? And, like, it kept getting pushed back, pushed back, pushed back. And until finally, it, they called it quits. They put the season on hold, and no one really knew what was going to happen. And that's when everything kind of just started to escalate fast with the pandemic and you had people freaking out, but compared to what it is today, a year from now, it's still a little bit weird. Like the whole mask thing, it's like still kind of weird because like I watch movies and shows and stuff and it like, sometimes I like sit back and I'm like, wait, like, like it's a TV show. They don't need to wear masks. So it like kind of freaks you out a little bit, but it's definitely changed and now i just it, this is the new normal and i don't see us you know kind of going back to the 100% we were last year before the pandemic for quite a while right now it's kind of crazy because it makes me think about harry potter do you remember when harry potter goes to the train station and he's like looking for like his train, he can't find it. And then there's like mm-hmm. this little portal. Uh-huh. Yeah, and in he, the wall. Yeah, and he goes in the wall. And I'm like, that's what I think of COVID. It's like we were going straight for a minute and then all of a sudden we got kicked over like an eighth inch. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and we're and we've still been going forward, but it's just in this altered state. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. And and I thought about it too. I'm like, they're oh, they were always announcing at uh, this time last year. Well, before we went into lockdown, they were always announcing like on the news, like oh, new virus in this country and this country. And I'm like, it's gonna be like one of those again, where we hear about it for a minute and then it's gone. But I never thought it would, you know, escalate through this. I never thought that I would have to live through a worldwide pandemic. Well, and don't you remember the uh, murder hornets? 
Yeah, I remember that. I remember looking up those like murder hornets on YouTube and just being so infatuated by the fact that these little hornets could go and attack a beehive and just like how they were just striking it like left and right. Um, that was crazy. I, I definitely didn't want to leave my house at that point. Well, funny story. I don't know if it was a murder hornet, but I swear it looked like one. At the daycare I work at, um, the kids were lined up and they started screaming. And we're like, well, well, like, what the heck is going on? Like, why are they screaming? And then we look up and then there's like a huge bug flying in the classroom. And so then everyone starts freaking out. So we, we move into the hallway so like it wouldn't get us. And then um, our boss, he starts getting a broom and starts swatting at it. And he swat at it, but it was still alive, but it was still trapped in the bristles. So then he got a book and he smashed it. And <laughs> I kid you not, it was like, it was a huge bee. And it was at least, you know, how, how long would I say? Like maybe about four inches long. It was huge and... I have no idea if it was a murder hornet or not because it looked exactly like it, but it was pretty scary to deal with. Well, and let's And then what's crazy about that even though is do you remember like after they introduced the murder hornet, then all of a sudden there was like, I think it was like the locust or something that like basically attacked the murder hornet. And there was some other like some other insect that attacked the murder hornets. And it was just like this sort of, it had this sort of King Kong versus Godzilla kind of effect to it. <laughs> like there, of course there was something else that was more worse. It was worse than that, you know? Yeah. Um, no, 2020 was definitely like just one thing after another, after another, like to the point where nobody got a break from it. Well, and do you remember when the, there was the other, uh, it was the other thing that happened. It was the, the video of the, was it the eagle that like somehow picked up a shark and was carrying it in the sky? I actually never saw that. Really? Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. It was, it was like the craziest thing ever. It was like a shark had jumped up and an eagle had somehow swooped in at the same time and had it. And it was like in its talons and it was flying back in the sky. And I just thought, you know, with all the weird things happening in 2020, like that's like not the way I would want to die was with a shark coming out of the sky. Definitely not. <laughs> <laughs> right. And so I just thought, man, we, we have to definitely visit 2020 now that we're in 2021. Um, well, and so just kind of moving forward, I mean, you know, we went through what was a year really without sports. Um, I do remember, if you do remember when all the sports started, started to shut down, it was like the only thing we got to see left was uh, was Kavon Freider playing for the India Super League. And then there was the, I think there was, was it the German League or the Russian League? It was the one where they were playing regardless, and they I think they still played through most of the pandemic. Mm, I believe it was the German League. Oh no! It was it was probably the it was the Russian one. I think that's what it was because Bundesliga is the. But oh it was, yes, 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 yes. Yeah. So do you, uh, 
Did you remember? Did you ever? Did you get to catch that match with Freighter in it? Um, what? Happened? No, I kind of got glimpses of it, but I had the notifications turned on on my phone because I was just dying for some sort of sports at that moment, and you know that was the only thing I could watch. And then I. Well, I mean, like, Freighter was on there, so, you know, he played for New Mexico United in year one. So, I was like, I figured, why not? Let's see how he's with his new team. But, yeah, it was just weird. And then that kind of, like, went off of, like, the map a little bit, too. And and it was just, like, a, a waiting game to see when sports would come back. Yeah, we uh, some of us even went as far as watching marble racing on ESPN. Oh yeah, I remember, and they even did the the FIFA tournaments too. Yeah, between yeah. Players and stuff on ESPN with the Liga MX players, and yeah, that, that's how you know some people were desperate for something. Right, because we're we're sitting there watching people play video games, um, <laughs> and 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 you know what's funny is uh, the funny thing is that a lot of soccer players in the USL don't play soccer video games what do you think they play instead you know probably fortnite modern warfare um you know kind of stuff like that like gta um you know kind of those regular like mainstream games i could see them playing that why don't you think soccer players play soccer video games I honestly don't know. Maybe because, you know, they like it's their job and they might want to take a break from it. But it could also be fun if they choose to do it because they can play as other teams and not just themselves if they were like MLS or, you know, any other league around the world. I just sit there and imagine soccer players playing as teams in MLS and then somehow someone like I don't know, myself would go writing an article about how so-and-so from the New Mexico United was playing as like another team. There's probably a little tampering <laughs> in that, right? Because it's like, hey, what if that team ever caught wind of that? Like, oh, hey, this guy likes to play as us. You know, imagine it from Cody Mizell's standpoint, right? Like, since he's playing for like New York City FC, like he goes and he plays like FIFA and he plays like NYFC FC and he puts himself in the goal. Like that would be crazy, right? <laughs> yeah, no, that would be interesting, you know, to see them, the players kind of play as themselves. And to, and also, you know, see who their favorite teams are to play on FIFA. Because everyone has their different teams on there. And, you know, of course, like with the with their overalls, I mean, who wouldn't, like, look at that and see, like, okay, this is, this is my team. Yeah, I wonder what it would be like. Um, think about some of the players we've had on our team. Like, obviously, the MLS players – potentially in that game, right? And we know that that's uh, Romeo Parks when he was on here. Like, obviously, he'd be in that game, you know, having played for some international teams as well. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. That'd be that'd be pretty awesome. Um, speaking of video games lately, I've, I've actually kind of broke out my, uh, my headset that I've got here, um, which is, like, super sick looking, right? I've got this, like, <laughs> Astro 10. And it's got the little uh, little voice like microphone in the front. Um, I figured I needed to start working on my my FIFA a little bit as well, um, and uh, you know, and, and maybe even a little hockey as well. 
Yeah, yeah, you know, I kind of just got into the Nintendo Switch, so I've been playing Super Smash Bros., I've been playing Mario, I've been playing Mario Kart, and, you know, it's it's pretty fun to kind of get back into those old games. Yeah, I definitely agree with you. I mean, that's, you know, there's just anything you could do to really pass the time. Um, what's, like, what's been new in your life, like, I guess, in the last the last year? I mean... Um, everything's pretty been pretty much the same. Uh, one new hobby, or I guess I kind of got into. I got into anime, and I never thought I would get into anime, but you know, it's actually really, really good. Um, I've been watching the some anime series. I've been watching uh, Death Note, Sailor Moon, Demon Slayer, and um. That's pretty much it for now. And I've also been reading the mangas, which is the, like, it's like the comic books. But instead of reading um, how we read normally, you read the book backwards. And what? that's, the, yeah, so you start from the end. <laughs> you don't start from the front. <laughs> yeah, so that's you read crazy. the book backwards. And it's, you know, it's something different, but I really enjoy it. So if you were looking to get into anime i highly recommend death note first that's the one that got me into it nice that's what's up and uh for our listeners of the show uh definitely tweet us when you're listening to this episode um at seek and strike uh nm would love to to hear what you're thinking about it so far um so yeah i guess for me like what's been really new lately has just been i've been doing all kinds of crazy stuff i mean I, if you kind of see anything on instagram but um I've been really kind of getting sold on a lot of different things popping up. So I think lately it's been purchases. That's been the new thing in my life is actually just buying things. Um, <laughs> the other day I bought some $50 box of cereal. <laughs> and so like, so this cereal company, okay, they're called Off Limits. And, uh, and they make two different cereals. They make one that... Um, it's like a Cocoa Puffs, but it's like also kind of crusted in like uh, Intelligentsia coffee. So when you have it in your cereal, um, it basically turns the milk into cold brew. And so like it's like super hopped up. Um, in fact, I had hopped on one of the United Pressers. Um, gosh, it must have been like months ago, uh, probably just before Christmas time last year. And I was asking a question and my mouth went so fast, faster than my mind because of how much coffee equivalent is like in the bowl of cereal. <laughs> um, and then the other cereal I bought, the other, the other one they make is uh, it, it's like a vanilla flavor, but it comes with this. It's like pandan. And basically what they did is they created a cereal that you can kind of mellow out on. So just imagine like drinking like, those sleep energy drinks where it's like you drink them and then like after a while you just kind of like zone out and eventually that like gets like sleepy you know yeah As no. a melanin or something <laughs> oh yeah the melatonin yeah 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 <laughs> melanin that's funny oh uh, yeah melatonin <laughs> yeah and so it's just crazy um but so the cereal is normally like 25 bucks but i bought this 50 dollars box because it was like this artist had designed a box. His name's Greg Mike, and he had designed a box. And there was only 500 of them, and it came with like a clear tote bag and a keychain. 
And uh, <laughs> and I don't know. I've just been kind of really getting into really limited edition type stuff lately. So like for me, that was like a must buy. Yeah, no, I can see about the limited edition stuff because there's some stuff that I've uh, that I've kind of gotten to like. Um, you know, since I got into anime, I've been kind of collecting the little figures that are, you know, accurate to the screen. And I've been getting some of those too, but, you know, they're not as expensive as your cereal, but, you know, still, it's cool to have those little collectibles. Yeah, the most I've dropped lately in my collecting is $333. Oh my gosh. Yeah, so what happened was, this is a funny story, but, so there's an artist that I told you about cousin feo cousin feo you know does this like hip-hop and he ties in the game of football and uh anyways he just recently released a record and um and he it, was, it went on sale and they'd only made 500 copies but they had different variants of it and the one that i got was the japan the japanese flag edition so it was like a white record with like the middle label was red and then it came with like a scarf as well and so there was only 70 and I bought the record on Bandcamp and Bandcamp. It didn't have a price. It had one of those pay what you want boxes. And so I'm looking really quickly at the website and it like had this text that said like 125. And I said, Oh my God, I got to throw in 125. So I just pressed, I put like in 125 and then I had bought two. So then all of a sudden it was like $250 converted into euros. It was like 300 or sorry, it was 250 euros converted into US dollars. It came mm -hmm. out to $333. So I legitimately paid $150 for each record. And the bad part about it is that other people I know also bought the record and they bought it for $50 US dollars. Oh my gosh. And I was so mad because I realized that that was just text saying, hey, this is an example of what you could put in the box. It wasn't the actual price. <laughs> <laughs> you got to read the fine print. Man, I got so upset at myself. I was like, you know what? Like, I just got this stimulus and I already dropped $300. <laughs> oh my gosh. Talk about like a purchase gone wrong. Um, so like, I think the last last time we were we met together, I think we were talking about a little bit about TV shows. And apparently, I know that you're a big Bachelor watcher. But are there any other shows that you're currently binging on? Um, I'm currently just got into Nine One One. It's a really really good show. What is that? Uh, huh. What's the show? Is it on Netflix or what? It's on Hulu. Hmm. Yeah, it's a. I kind of underestimated it at first, but you know, it gets really interesting too because not only do they focus like on the nine one one calls, there's also story a story behind you know who gets called to the scene and stuff. There are main characters, so it's not just like random here and there. So it's a, it's actually a really good show. And I also like, I'm a, I'm a big Marvel fan. So what? You know, are you just, really? yes. So I just finished WandaVision and, you know, starting, uh, 
um, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, and I'm kind of a DC fan. I'm still kind of like, oh, about it, but I still need to watch the Zack Snyder cut of Justice League. Okay, okay. Yeah, you know, I have not started WandaVision. Um, I haven't even <laughs> seen, I haven't, I love Marvel too, and I have not even seen it. Um, I'm still at the point of needing to switch over my ESPN Plus account from the four ninety nine account to the the twelve dollar one. Yeah, no, I I think it's worth it because you get Disney Plus and Hulu and ESPN Plus. So yeah, yeah, I definitely got to make the switch because like I've been really wanting to watch WandaVision, and, uh, and of course I've been wanting to watch the new Mighty Ducks Game Changers. Oh yeah, yeah. I've- I heard about that one, but I haven't seen it yet. Yeah, so I, I'm a little behind. I got I got to watch the Mandalorian season two, or that oh. that, se- that season. That's... <laughs> I actually I love the Mandalorian and season two. It's so good. It's like way better than season one. Nice. Yeah, I'm stoked about that. So, um, I guess kind of switching gears a little bit. Uh, let's, we wanted to talk tonight more so about some of the things that, that are happening, obviously for this new season. One thing we wanted to get into was the roster, right? Yeah. Um, you know, kind of listening to the, the presser after the preseason game, it seems like coach Troy is set on his roster but he's also willing to open it up to add more players. But, you know, in my opinion, um, I feel like we should sign maybe a right back because we're kind of missing that spot. And I know, like, I'm still hoping we get Najem back because he is one of our key players in the back line because he can also be an attacking defender, which looking at, what it's like looking at what the formation is kind of looking like this season, it seems like we're focusing more on attacking. And I think we, we need Najem back. Yeah. So I would, I yeah, I like that, that choice too. We haven't really seen any particular right back and we can kind of, we'll kind of get into that as far as like what the El Paso performance was here in a little bit. Um, but I do agree with you that we still need to know um, about the right back position. Uh, currently, like I'm thinking that, you know, it's the responsibility is probably being handled somewhere between Austin Yearwood and um, Alex Touche. Um, but let's get into this roster more. So I got the list pulled up here and we can kind of go through each player and you could tell me kind of your thoughts about, the player, what you're excited about, you know, um, you know, are the th- other thoughts you got about it. So um, let's just start from the top. We'll go with the goalkeepers. So we got Phil Beigel. Uh, what what are your what are your thoughts about Phil? Um, you know, um, I kind of doubted him at first because of how you know you play the way you practice and the way I saw him warm up, like it was kind of like you know, kind of sketchy, but then you see him at the preseason and it's like, 
well, who is this guy? Like, what got into him? Because he did amazing. So now, looking at the way he played on Saturday, I'm very excited to see how he's just going to progress throughout the season at this point. Yeah. Um, yeah, Phil, I was really wondering what we were going to see with Phil Beigel, uh, just because, you know, as Cody Mizell had just recently left for New York City FC, um, obviously, and then Ben Beery had, had already been gone for a while for Oakland Roots, I wondered if, you know, Phil Beigel would just kind of move up to being our number one, or we obviously knew that they would need to have a sub for him, but I wondered you know, who that would be and how that would affect whether or not, you know, he had a starting position or not. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I kind of wondered too. So then let's talk about Alex Tambakis. Um, getting to see him recently in the preseason match, um, what what things did you like about him? Um, He, he looked good out there, you know. Um, it kind of still feels like he's, how could I say this, like warming up and kind of finding that connection with his back line. But, you know, he's looking decent and, you know, seeing all the stats that he has and being one of the best goalkeepers, uh, you know, a couple years back, um, I'm very excited to see him. And I just kind of want him because I feel like he's still holding back to his full potential. So, you know, once he let loose and he gets comfortable and, you know, with the back line, I think he's going to do some pretty great things. Yeah, right on, right on. Yeah, I was really excited to see that the United had pulled in Alex Tambakis. I mean, he was one of the people that I felt were out there as far as the free agent concerns. Um, I have to say I was definitely surprised that they locked him in. Um, I thought maybe the team was going to go after – uh, Cody Lorindi, who is who had been at uh, OKC Energy uh, for a while, uh, was also another really standout goalkeeper. So uh, definitely cool to see that the team grabbed uh, Tom Bacchus for us. Um, so then let's go into our our defenders a little bit. Uh, so we got Alex Touche, um, Kalen Ryden, Josh Suggs, Justin Schmidt, Rashid Tete, Austin Yearwood. Um, so those are obviously those are our defenders right there. Um, just of the sort. Uh, what what players are you most excited for for two thousand twenty one? Man, my top one for the back line that I'm most excited for is Kalen Ryden. He did an amazing job last year for us and. You know, I can't wait to see what he does more of this year because he is one of the most outstanding defenders I have seen in this league. Right on. So then uh, I was kind of looking – I was really looking forward to seeing how how Alex Touche would be used in the mix. Um, In the preseason match, you know, we saw him as part of a back three – uh, the team was playing in what looked like they were still playing in that three-five-two, but it was really nice to see him in that spot. Like I kind of envisioned him probably being um, a right back in time, um, but I was just really excited to see him out there. The last time I got to see um, Touche play was when he was playing here for the Albuquerque Soul, um, and in in the matches that I've watched him play, 
he's also another one of those players that can play from end to end. So as Kalen Ryden has run up to the front and played forward at times, um, Alex Touche is also another player who can uh, take the ball all the way from end to end and also put it in as well. Yeah, he seems kind of interesting, you know, to kind of see what's going to happen throughout the season. And, you know, with the right back situation, I could see him back there. But at the same time, I feel like Yearwood is going to be used most out of like uh, nine out of the ten times. But, you know, the times that he's that Alex will probably be in there, he'll give it his all. And, you know, maybe he will earn more time and probably end up splitting that position with Yearwood 50-50. And, and how, uh, how excited are you about the prospect of us having – uh, maybe a healthy back line this year, you know, maybe not as many injuries back there. Um, I'm excited. You know, injuries are something that, you know, it's really a setback for the team because then you kind of have to start pulling players from other positions and putting them back there. And it's just, it just can be a mess. So I just hope that, you know, everyone stays healthy because injuries are, are no joke. Right, and so um, so moving a little bit more into the roster, uh, we saw even on we saw that preseason game. We saw some of the academy players. Uh, we saw I don't have his name. Oh, Aiden Semmelsberger. So we saw Aiden Semmelsberger, Andres Robles out there, and then of course we saw uh, um, Yunus Zarate. Right. Yes. What can I say? Oh, my gosh. These Academy players, outstanding. Like, they left me speechless. And the one that really caught my eye and played amazing the time he was in was Aiden. He's quick. He's smart um, when and it comes to looking at the field and looking at plays. And, you know, he's tough. He went against Maka King and he wasn't having it with him and you know he didn't let anyone get to him and you know you know Aiden I could you know I could see him going up into the maybe the the championship team or even going into the U23. What are you most excited about with with academy players being able to play with the first team? I'm really excited about it because it's more, you know, more players we can add to the roster and more players that, you know, that we saw already play that you know what we can rely on. And it's not like, oh, it's just some kid who's going to just come in and mess it all up. Like, no, we know how they play. And if that was preseason, I can only imagine in a real game. They they are so, so good. And I just feel like they're just going to keep progressing more and more and more. And, you know, that's the talent I haven't seen in a really long time from high school kids. Now, one of the things that was really your bone of contention uh, in the 2020 season uh, was the United midfield. Uh, You talked about it several times uh, when it came to uh, New Mexico playing El Paso, um, as well as... um, Phoenix Rising, I believe, as well, uh, the midfield. 
so before we really get into the, the players that have been signed, um, you know, what, what are some of your um, preseason talking points in regards to the midfield? What things do you hope will be different this year from last year? So my concerns about the midfield from last year is that we would leave the middle wide open and that's where the other teams were come in our defensive third and attack straight to the middle. And that's where a lot of their chances were created. And that's when we were put in very dangerous spots because we were losing games we shouldn't have lost or we were tying games we should have won. And it's just like, you know, come on, someone needs to be there in the middle of all times because they were either getting clustered in the back or they were just spreading out wide. And for this uh, preseason, I saw that um, we signed a lot of midfielders and I'm hoping that they kind of figure out a formation to where, you know, they kind of stay in the midfields, but also attack at the same time, which kind of get into that, into the preseason talks about that because of the formation they played on Saturday it's exactly what I was looking for that they did very well and you know the midfield is my concern besides the back line but it seems like the midfield this year is kind of like kind of be up to par with my thoughts okay so going into our, one of our first players that was signed Michael Azira uh Michael Azira um comes to us uh his last team that he played for or was um man why am i blanking on that <laughs> oh it's preseason isn't it it's preseason no michael azira comes to us from chicago fire um and prior to that he played for the montreal impact um and we just really got to see a little bit on who Michael was through some of the videos really that are out there online. Uh, Michael's got a foundation that he does, a Zira foundation uh, for the youth uh, in Uganda. And uh, we just really got to kind of see how much of a community player he is. And um, one of my first thoughts when they signed him and after I listened to uh, some of what he was about I thought about how I thought he and uh, David Estrada were kind of cut from the same cloth, both kind of humanitarian type people. And really they played the same position actually. So I think that, you know, some of what we liked about David Estrada, his vision and like, you know, kind of his ability to control tempo is probably what we're going to see out of Michael Azira. Uh, what were your thoughts about uh, this this pickup and um, and what do you think he's going to bring to our team? Um, I thought that it was a great pickup from us. You know, I could see him, you know, as a holding mid. He it seems like he kind of has, you know, the stature for that and, uh, you know, the ability to do that and to just feed off the balls to the to the forwards or, or to the wings. But I feel that, you know, I know he got called up to the national team for Uganda, I believe. And I, I hope we get to see more of him here with us because, you know, we there's going to be times where we're going to really, really need him. Right. So then the next player that got signed uh, is Isidro Martinez, or better known as Cello. 
Oh, that one. Um, very excited about him. I loved the way he played on uh, Saturday against El Paso. He was, you know, I guess um, he was my man of the match with that. He, very, very outstanding player. And he, the way he does his set pieces too, I can see, you know, why they were talking about that. Like, you know, he's a playmaker. He takes all these set pieces and it's like, like, is he really? Like, that was my question. Like, is he really? But no, I can, I can really see that now. And I'm very excited for him. Yeah, Cello seems like he's going to be a great pickup uh, center mid. Um, you know, as uh, he's very creative as far as how he can create chances. Um, to me, I think that United benefits from his addition just because um, you don't have to always rely on uh, Schmidt or Kalen Ryden sending balls over the top from far back. Like, if balls are won in the middle, someone like Cello can create chances. Not to mention um, when it comes to free kicks outside the box, we have someone who can actually deliver it and it doesn't take away from one of our goal scorers. Exactly. And that's a, that was another reason too, you know, Chris, we had last year would take our corner kicks and our set pieces, but I'm like, we need somebody else. He's one of our goal scorers that we need in there. And now that we have Cello to do this, this is perfect. He was like that missing piece to the puzzle. Well, I think that's definitely going to make other teams play United differently because if we're able to send crosses into the box now, um, which is something we really didn't do a lot of, um, then I think teams are going to have to figure out that they can't man mark the team as much and they're going to have to start doing zonal marking like what like we're doing to other teams. Exactly. And, you know, and that's what I like about it, too, that we we're playing to the point where teams have to accommodate themselves to us instead of us playing to them. Right. Yeah. And that's something that Troy has countlessly said that, you know, their focus is on them and that, that when they prepare for matches, they're, you know, they're really just worried about themselves. You know, they're not too big on the comparison. I mean, of course, they do highlight other players that they need to and, and try to create strategies for them. Uh, so uh, next up, um, Andrew Tanari gets, uh, he is a late signed uh, United player, the, the last to be announced um, other than the Academy players. Uh, what, what are your, what were your thoughts when Andrew Tanari was finally coming back? You know, I was, like, I wasn't surprised, but I was, like, you know, comfortable with the signing. You know, we kind of already know how he plays and how much of a help he was in the midfield. And um, it was, you know, it's nice to have him back because now we have more diversity in the midfield. And who knows, maybe they can put him up top sometime or maybe they could bring him back down. And with so many midfield signings, I think it's good because we could switch players around. Right. Well, and the, the, the thing I would say about Tanari is that he was very gritty. Um, if you think about the match against Phoenix uh, Rising, where he puts in the second goal, kind of on a back hill, you know, but in that whole game, I mean, he was very much feisty in the midfield and, 
that was something that I, I was kind of worried about if we didn't have him uh, because we were going to be signing all these pieces that attack and we were still going to be left kind of thin in the middle. Yeah, that's what I was worried about too. When we were signing a bunch of attacking and I'm like, we need some defensive players and, you know, because we can't always attack, attack, attack. But what happens if, you know, for example, we play Phoenix with a strong attacking and, you know, what are we going to do if we don't have, you know, any defenders? So next, moving into uh, Harry Swartz. Um, I'm also excited for him. He, I feel like he's going to be more of a wing than anything and kind of be playing up top. But from what I've seen, he's, you know, a goal maker. So I can, I can really see that. It's just, I just wish I would have saw him play on Saturday. Right. Yeah. Harry Swartz definitely seems like, um, he, like if the three five two model is kind of because, you know, he's a winger as well. Brucey is probably more of a winger, right? So essentially it's like we're finally maybe at a point where Troy can kind of let this thing fly a little bit. Um, you know, I just think the Swartz edition is is huge. Um, the only concern that I had when United had first signed him was that he had missed like the last half of his season. You know, I was concerned that, you know, did we just sign a player who is still kind of injury prone? Like how much, how effective will he be for us? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. That, and that's something that like, you know, kind of everyone thinks about and you like, for example, I watch a lot of football, so I kind of look at that and there's a bunch of players from my favorite team that are injury prone. And it's like, come on, dude, like you're one of the best players, but you're constantly hurt. And like, is this someone can that we can rely on? And, you know, it's just taking a risk with the signing and see what comes of it. Right. Yeah. So ultimately, it looks like he's healthy. I mean, from the videos they've shown us, we don't really know if anyone is hurt or is anyone. I mean, other than what we've seen in front of our eyes. Um, which, like, we, I would guess, insert in here that Rishi Tete, like, obviously had some sort of a foot injury during the preseason match. And we don't know if it's something that is is worse, worsened from then, if he's, you know, out a week or two. Um, we haven't really heard. I'll have to kind of touch base with the team to figure out that's the status. Um but man, that's got to be that's got to be a mood kill to not be able to play uh, soccer in the state for the whole time. Go out and play in front of the fans, and then sustain a knock within like three minutes of being on the pitch, and then have to come out. And then it's like you hope that it's something that isn't going to sideline him because last year he missed the majority of the season. You know. Mhm. Mhm. Yeah. Yeah. So. The next signing is Sergio Rivas. You know, Sergio Rivas comes to us from Reno. Uh, he played the the two seasons with them. You know, obviously he's from uh, New Mexico. And, you know, finally he's in the black and yellow. We, we, have, we have contemplated his addition to the team for the last two seasons. And finally, um, we have seen it happen. 
Um, and it's a, it seems like it's a great addition for us, especially since we lost Chris Wehan. Yeah, I definitely agree. Um, I kind of, you know, with how I am, I kind of question players at the beginning, like, are you really, <laughs> like, are you really this and are you really that? But, you know, I can definitely see how, why everyone says Sergio Rivas is a great player. He is a great player. He makes chances and, you know, he's not scared to take the ball up himself and, you know, take a shot. There was some, there was a couple of shots he took on Saturday that I was like, whoa, like, where did you come out from? And, you know, he's going to be, I could definitely see him being in our starting 11 constantly. Yeah, I'm really excited about Sergio Rivas, especially um, when thinking about Amando Moreno and just thinking about like how these how these players are going to be like next to each other, somewhat in the lineup, and you know, we're just going to have so many threats, um, uh, you know, coming in. Uh, so then next, let's talk about um, Ilya Illich. You know from. Like the highlights that I've seen, yes, I got excited. The way I saw Saturday, I was kind of like iffy, and I'm like, come on. And it could have also been, you know, I heard that they were kind of getting used to the elevation here. You know, we're much higher elevation than from where they come from. But it just seemed like he was all over the place. He wasn't really sticking to up top with Dev. And I was kind of getting concerned. And, you know, you could, it were from what I was sitting, you heard Guzman, like, kind of telling him where to go. And I'm like, like, what's going on? Right. And so I think the thing with Ilya Illich is, you know, we know he came from Lou City. So he's obviously a two-time cup winner. And that was a lot of the hype that the club really provided, um, you know, I, I, I think one thing that we could both kind of agree on is that we, we've we still been trying to replace uh, Kavon Freider and Santi Moore for quite some time um, on our team. And, you know, every year that we have lost goal scorers, it's like we just finally addressed one situation and then, like, another one happened. So then when we added Ilya Illich, I'm thinking, okay, you know what? We might have finally addressed Freighter, um, but I'm not like, I mean, like, and I say that like lightly to be like, you know, did, did he address that spot or did he address the Santi Moore spot? I mean, what's your thought? Which spot did, did Ilya Illich address? Um, I can't really say anything right now because I feel like it's just, the start of it and to me he's just trying to find what to to see what he falls into comfortably and i can't really say that but you know on the other hand feeling kev's spot is another player that we signed who is also our forwards so speaking of our forwards is brian brown i saw him out there really impressed he did get a goal it was offsides Oh, well, linesman. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I can definitely see Brian Brown filling in that, that freighter spot. And when they say that he's a goal machine, like, I I can see it. 
Yeah, definitely good for us to have picked up another reggae boy. It's the craziest thing if you think about it, because this is like our third one. It's like we've gone to the store three times, right? We got Freighter, we had Romeo Parks, and now Brian Brown. And I just think, man, what would it have been like to have had all three at the same time? It would have been a mess, like a good mess on our part. And I just wondered the next time that the, the team signs a reggae boy, they might want to think about getting a couple of them too, because I'm sure they, they love playing together. Oh, I'm, I'm sure they do. So then that kind of really goes over like the new players that were signed. Let's, let's kind of visit our, our returning players a bit. Um, I want to hear from you, like, you know, maybe the first couple of words that come to mind or maybe the things that you're looking forward to um, them doing in 2021. Let's start with Devin Sandoval. Um, well, from what, and it's the penalty take, taking we had uh chris we had kind of take those last year but now i see him taking those this year majority of the time and i feel like it's going to be him between him and amanda moreno right um from a from a game perspective i know that the things that have always come up regarding sandoval was about fitness at at times he comes out obviously very pristine, you know, full of energy, looks lean, strong, things of that nature. And then maybe more in the 2019 season than, than this last one, there was just the question about, you know, how the quality of the game changed. And, you know, if he was still truly um, the solution up front, um, you know, but then 2020, I mean, he looks sharper. And obviously, like, you know, some of those questions were answered. Um, what do you what do you think 2021 looks like for Devin? I hope it just gets better. And I hope he kind of doesn't fall back down. Um, but I could see him doing better. And maybe, you know, it's the atmosphere of the team, you know, that's kind of motivating him to do better than he's doing last year. Well, and this is kind of a hot take, but I mean, when Brian Brown and Ilya Illich get signed, and they're actually, they both play in a 10 position with Devin in the whole time. Do you think that that is how it's going to hold up? Or do you think that signing someone like Ilya, also Brian Brown, do you think that Troy may have to think about using all three of them on the field the majority of the time. That is something to think about. But at the same time, I don't think he will because of how our wings are. If we have Harry on the left and we have Mondo on the right or vice versa, or um, we maybe they move Rivas to a wing instead of the midfield, it's just something that... He has so many attacking options that I feel it's going to be an interesting way to see how formations change each game. What do you think playing time is going to look like for those three forwards, um, presuming that maybe only two of them are on the pitch at a time? Um, I could see Dev starting for sure every single game, you know, unless something happens, but... 
the other one, they're just going to have to be switching. And then when Dev gets tired, that's when you'll see, like, probably Illich, uh, Illich come in and or Brian come in um, for either or. And it's just going to be just constant switching. And, you know, maybe if we don't see that, somebody else will come in and they might move up a midfielder to the top. So Amando Moreno didn't play the preseason match because he had a bit of a knock, um, which is is obviously not something anyone could be excited about. Um, barring like once he gets obviously back to health, you know what what do you think Amando Moreno um, will look like with the current roster? Oh my gosh. It's going to be, you know, like I have no words for it. He's going to do great. And he's just going to, it's just going to have more fire up in him to do more. And the way he is, he puts 110% into the game all the time. doesn't matter if we're losing to Phoenix, you know, 4-1. It, he gives it 110%. It does not matter the score. And that is what I like about him. Nothing brings him down. And if he's if he realizes that we're down one or we're tied, that just gives him motivation and it picks him up even faster. And even then, too, we're winning. It gets him going. He does not stop. And that is what I love about him. And what 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 kind of things do you think about for Daniel Bruce? I mean, what comes to mind for him is like that he got just a little bit more time in 2020, um, and I'm thinking now for a third season, like you know, obviously he's got to get more time. I mean, he did look good in the preseason match. I felt he had some good energy there, and that you know he's still that sort of player that can take that can take um, the opponents out wide. Um, do you think that Daniel Bruce starts to kind of break through as a scoring threat in 2021? Um, I'm not too sure. Considering our new signings, maybe, you know, kind of Bruce will peek through, but I just kind of don't see him being a threat just yet. What do you think uh, is going to need to happen for him to kind of become that sort of threat? Um, He is quick on his feet, and he's very passionate about the game, but I think what he needs to do is kind of look up and see the field and see what chances he can create because I know what that adrenaline is to, like, just go, 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 but, you know, he kind of needs to take that time, relax, and see what he can do. Then let's talk about Juan Guzman a little bit. Obviously, you know, defensive mid, you know, very gritty. You know, we saw definitely a bit of his of his attitude on the pitch um, in, in, in all fashions. Uh, were you excited about his return? Did you think he was moving on? What are you, what are you thinking about Juan Guzman? I honestly thought we were going to lose him and I didn't want to because he is one of one of our best mids and he and he's a defensive mid too so with the formation that it looks like 
we kind of tested out on Saturday, it worked very well for him. He did very well in that position. And, you know, he's going to be one of our stronger ones and our veteran, too, to, you know, kind of guide that midfield. And then let's talk about Sam Hamilton. So Hamilton, you know, first season played some some uh, center back and then also, you know, then kind of switched out, became more of a defensive mid um, going into this this third season. Obviously, you know, he's more likely to be a midfielder again. Um, what do you think Sam Hamilton really kind of brings to that sort of holding defensive position? Um, he definitely has the height that we kind of need, and we've always talked about this too. But other than that, I mean, he does exactly what Guzman does, and the only difference is that just Sam is a little bit taller than him, which does help in some cases. And so then kind of cycling back to the defense a little bit, so then um, I know we we have already kind of touched on Ryden and, and his defensive prowess, but let's talk about Josh Suggs. You know, Josh Suggs was out a portion of last season. You know, we wondered what exactly, um, where he exactly he would fit in once, you know, Yearwood had been playing that position for such a long time. He played more of that sort of winger position going from the back line to the mid or the mid to the, the top. Um, you know, like, one, it, what was your take on him being used that way and two, um, are you kind of glad that it looks like that's how we're using him again already, just based on the preseason match? Um, I was kind of skeptical about it first, but he was like a good fit to kind of being put in that wing position. Because either way, when he was in the back, he was in a, an attacking defender. So he would move up and he would cross and he would make those chances for our midfield and our forwards. And, you know, this season... I kind of was happy to see that they were using him again like that. But now looking at who we have on the roster, I think maybe we should just kind of move him to the right back position and, you know, let the other wings kind of do what they do. Okay. And then Justin Schmidt, like, finally gets to play. You know, had been out the whole last season, um, which definitely has got to be mentally challenging for one. But then now he's back. Uh, we saw a little bit of him on Saturday. Um, what was your impression of his performance? And, you know, if that is a small sample of what he brings into 2021, uh, what do you think that looks like for us? Um, I think it's going to look great. You know, it, it looks like he he does look better than the year one. And I'm actually excited to see what he's going to bring to the table this season. So, yeah, so Justin coming in, um, he definitely had so much energy. He was running around so much. And I thought, wow, like this guy, you know, has added some skates, you know, to, to his feet. He is, he is faster. Um, and then as the game kind of played on, then, you know, there wasn't maybe as much of him roaming. Um, if you remember, he was playing in kind of a, a midfield position for a little while. I don't know if they were in some sort of a diamond. I have no idea exactly why he was that high up at first. Um, but I kind of thought it was complimentary to him because he is not he's not necessarily one of the faster players that we have in the back line. 
Um, he is more of a, a big stout kind of player. You know, he, you know, has a strong leg on him, you know, that sort of control, if you will. Um, but I just, you know, for the most part, the way we've seen him is he's been more of a defensive option, uh, more than being a speed option. Um, the, the thing I would say about that is when he came in and he played a backline position, I noticed that we couldn't necessarily send anyone up the, up the, ch- the left channel anymore. I mean, you know, we're kind of just still kind of testing the waters, but I just wonder how they're going to, they're going to do that. And with Suggs also being so far up, it, it is kind of weird and, Maybe it it can be weird for him too, because you know he's not used to it since he didn't play all last year. Right. Yeah. So he's definitely like got to figure out his legs under him. Um, so that's kind of like the roster, you know, you know. In a nutshell, we've we've talked to pretty much all the players uh, that are coming back. Overall, I mean, what are you kind of thinking about this team? Do you think that it can get to the cup? Um, or, I mean, is it like a, a, we can get to the finals with this team? I mean, what, what were some of your thoughts after you saw the full roster come together? Do we have enough or are we still missing stuff in your eyes? Um, I feel like we do have enough, but also at the same time, how I mentioned at first that we're kind of still missing that right back position. And if we feel that, I feel like this is a team that can, you know, potentially can make it to the finals. I I told you this in the very beginning of time. I said, are we rebuilding? Are we rebuilding? Because I felt like we had so much turnover this season um, with players retiring, players leaving for other teams. You know, just as things were starting to look good, and we both said it, hey, this we thought this was a good team going. Then all of a sudden we lost Cody. And it was like, I remember the text you sent me. You were like, yo, I don't know about that. Like, what happened? Like, you know, and I mean, I think that that was a sort of reaction. Um, I feel like looking at this whole team, I mean, from a, just from the perspective on paper, it seems like we have everything. It seems like we maybe address the midfield it seems like we've addressed having more scorers. Um, but the things that are unknown are, you know, can these guys just initiate? Like, is it going to take someone like Amando Moreno to try to fire up other guys? Like, you know, like, you know, we only averaged one goal a game last year and gave up a goal a game. Is it gonna, Is that what we're looking at another year? I hope it's not, and I also hope that, you know, we kind of don't die down in the second half like we have been since the very first game we ever played. Right on. So um, let's kind of switch gears a little bit. We we have kind of touched on preseason. So um, the preseason schedule we got this year, definitely a little different than it's been in previous years. Um, they played El Paso already this last Saturday. They're playing the uh, Colorado Rapids of MLS this upcoming Saturday. Um, they're getting to play San Diego Loyal um, as well as the Switchbacks, um, FC Tucson of League One, and then, of course, the almighty 
Phoenix Rising. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I think these preseason games are, are going to be good for us. Um, I wonder what's going to happen with the Rapids. And, uh, you know, the San Diego Loyal one, that one's going to be an interesting match. Hopefully it gets live streamed, but I don't think it will. But at least we'll get, you know, the live tweeting. Right. Like, I thought it was a good setup. There, The only concerning things I had when I saw our schedule, and then it was when I saw Phoenix's preseason schedule come out, and they had, like, 12 matches on their, on their, their list. And I thought, why do you need 12 matches? But it wasn't that it was all bad. It was just, like, I realized that this Phoenix team – in a sense, we'll have played six more matches than we have played. Therefore, their team could come together a little bit faster than the regular season starts. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. Do you think that United should have added more MLS talent if that was something they were able to do? Do you think they should have had it had more games coming off, especially after this first match where uh, Troy kind of says in the audio that they they just kind of ran out of ideas. Do you think that? Do you think the opponent is is a bit of it a bit of that mystery? Um. Yes and no, but I still. Th- I don't think that we could use that MLS talent because if we do, you know, if we play against the Rapids, it's just going to, they're going to play the reserves. And, you know, it's something that, you know, those reserves could obviously play in the USL championship and it's going to be like playing a USL team. So when it comes to playing other teams in the big leagues, like, you know, put in like, the the subs and stuff because that's what it would be a really good practice for the team yeah um are there other preseason matches you're looking forward to i know you kind of touched on we kind of said the loyal are there any other matches you're looking forward to um definitely phoenix rising you know obviously that's a rivalry but and you know santi moore is over there but you know, it's going to be interesting to see how we do against them. And Junior Flemings isn't on the team anymore, so that's someone we don't have to worry about. And it just makes you wonder, like, what's going to happen. Right. Um, did, what were your expectations, like, or what are your expectations of preseason? Um, I. It's just, you know, kind of like a trial, trial and error type of thing that I see happening you know letting the academy guys play trying out new formations so you know I think score is not gonna the score at the end of the game is not going to matter because what Troy is probably trying to do is kind of testing out everything before actual games especially the goalkeepers right yeah definitely got to figure that out um having two brand new guys there and, you know, what their style is, what the communication looks like with, with the back line, as you were kind of saying before, um, what did you, what did you make of, 
of United's performance against El Paso kind of sliding more into that preseason match now? They did great. And, you know, I was kind of talking to you about this beef when we were kind of planning the show about a triangle in the middle. And that's what they needed to do to avoid the gap opening in the middle when we would lose the games. And I kept wondering, like, when are we going to see that? And the fact that I saw that Saturday, I was like, oh, my gosh, did, like, you know, someone read my mind? Because it's exactly what I was looking for. It worked for us. And I can see Troy using this formation formation again, having three in the back line, five in the mid, when having two wings on the right and the left, and then having three mids in the middle when you can have your defensive mid stay right in the middle and then have your second one go up a little bit and then your third one work the, the their way up with the forwards and being that attacking midfielder and it's just a triangle to where they switch they switch the position so if you have for example how we had Saturday um Guzman, Cello, and Rivas. Cello and Rivas were switching. Sometimes Rivas would stay back with Guzman, or you know, Cello would stay back with Guzman, and that is exactly what I'm looking for. And it worked really well for us. Nice. That's a that's a good uh, input from you on that one. Um, so kind of shifting gears a little bit, kind of going from some of this technical tactic talk that we love to talk about on the seek and strike podcast and going into some of that fan perspective or fanfare so getting to go to the first preseason match that the club blew up that the preseason tickets went on sale and sold out in five minutes and so you were one of the few lucky folks inside the preseason match um what was your impression of it from a fan perspective what did you like about it the most um was there anything that you thought could be done differently um or that you hope that maybe they would consider doing differently on the upcoming uh, matches uh you know it kind of makes you wonder why they couldn't use the unm soccer complex but it is what it is, but I actually did enjoy it. I just wish there was some shade. <laughs> I got sunburned really, really, really bad on my arms. Like, I'm not kidding you. My arms are as red as lobsters right now. <laughs> and <laughs> that's other than that, that was the only thing. And do you remember last year when we were recording preseason episodes? We were, we were recording talking about these preseason matches but we obviously couldn't see any of them they weren't streamed all we could kind of hear about was like who scored or maybe there would be a clip that would pop up every once in a while like are you glad that in this instance that they kind of did open up some of these like to to the public yeah i actually i'm glad that they did open it up to the public and you know because kind of being in the in the dark with the preseason games last year, it's kind of like, what's going on? How are they doing? And, you know, like, I want to see the way that they're playing, but you kind of, you kind of can't, you just have to, you know, look at the tweets and be like, okay, it's uh, 45. Sammy Sergei scored like, okay, how did that happen? 
Right. Yeah. Definitely like that they kind of cluing us us in a little bit. Um, wish the match against Rapids was going to be um, public, but you know that's just going to be one of those where we have to fill our imagination and hope that the live t- tweets have a little bit of description. Um, so then, kind of shifting over to the home openers that were announced um, today, right? Um, uh, what what? So the home openers pop up. You know, we could pretty much see the first four matches United has. Three of them on the road, and one of them is at home. Uh, did, what was your like initial reaction to the home openers dropping out? Um, I was excited, you know, and um, it's crazy to see, you know, that we're we are getting this this year, and you know, I I'm glad that the home opener dropped, but at the same time. I want the full schedule to drop because, <laughs> you know, there's still some opponents that you said are kind of like up in the air. There's eight games and then like, well, who are we going to play? Right. Yeah. I wonder like what the eight teams are going to be outside of the division schedule. Cause as you know, you know, we play each of these teams twice, right? We, mm-hmm. we have seven in our, in our division or six other teams, rather, in our division. We play them four times for 24 matches. And then we have eight non-division matches, which um, I'm guessing is going to be four West Coast or Western Conference teams and four Eastern Conference teams. I was wondering what Western Conference team or teams are you most – would you be most excited for them to play outside of our division? And what Eastern Conference teams do you hope – that they'll get to play against. So for the four Western, I obviously want to play against Phoenix, uh, Oakland Roots, um, Orange County, kind of, you know, kind of go back with Chris Weehan. <laughs> and um, the other one, I'm not too sure. I think I remember saying... Um, I can't remember. Did, did you want it to be LAFC two? I mean, Las Vegas Lights or um, or Sacramento. I think Sacramento is what I said. I just couldn't remember. I think it was Sacramento. And for the Eastern teams, I want to play against um, Louisville City. Um, oh my gosh, I. I had them written down, but I I cannot remember. The other one was um, the oh the Tampa Bay Rowdies, and jeez, I'm drawing a blank. Um, what about the Indian? Oh, no, I remember now. Uh, Tulsa, and I could see us playing OKC to kind of since they're part of the Western, but they kind of because of the groups i could kind of see them kind of tossing them into the games right right yeah um i'm kind of on the same page with you on the west Uh, i think you know definitely want to see uh new mexico and oakland roots i think that's going to be just an awesome uh, awesome match it's going to be great to kind of see the guys playing against each other um i had saw on social media salima hamid 
was like talking talking to smack like he was joking around but he was talking smack to devin he said he's gonna put devin on his butt and i thought that would be very interesting when um when we clash against all the teams where our players went um on the eastern conference i do want to see tampa bay i'd love to see indy 11. Um, i think that would be very interesting and um i do it would be cool if you could see Lou city or be Miami FC perhaps um I think that those are like the appeal matches but somehow I can't help but feel like we're probably going to get like Charleston Battery or Charlotte Independence um and then Troy's God, I hope to, we don't Troy's going to have to play against his the the teams that he coached at <laughs> Yeah no I hope we don't get those <laughs> So uh just kind of one other thing about the home matches though too is that you know the other thing that kind of threw me was like, you know, considering that New Mexico was on the road for all their matches last year, I'm really surprised at the USL. And I know a lot of this has to also do with isotopes as well. Um, but I'm, I was just really surprised that New Mexico would um, kind of be stuck into like a road schedule so soon again. Um, and again, like we were saying, like, I think a lot of it has to do with isotopes because they play at the lab, they play in the baseball stadium. Um, you know, just today I was kind of speculating. Uh, you know that today the isotopes dropped out their full season schedule, right? Um, I was kind of looking at that, but I didn't really pay attention to it. So I was kind of looking at the schedule and I kind of like mapped out what I thought would be prospective dates that United could play at home versus away. Um, What's crazy is there's not really any time where the isotopes ever really left for a long time, other than like when they play like, you know, six days in a row because they play in the, the middle of the week to the, the top of the other week. Um, but kind of looking beyond the scheduled dates that were announced, um, I saw that it really was like they played at home, they play away, they would play away, they'd play at home twice. Uh, play away twice, play at home, play away, play at home, play away twice, and play at home twice. Like, it just, it looks like it might be a little bit more balanced out if they can hit some of these particular dates. Um, but remember, like, it's supposed to be 32 matches in 27 weeks. And when I figured out all the dates, counting them all, including the home openers, like, it seems like somewhere in there, like we're only looking at 25 weeks because of how, how we're starting on May. And I'm just wondering if we're going to see the Wednesday matches drop in because Isotope schedule, they have no Wednesday matches or no Wednesday games rather. You know, the Wednesday games are kind of hard to get to because, you know, work and stuff and then there's school, but the Wednesday games were also nice, but at the same time, like, the hype is the Saturday games because that's when everyone goes and everyone tailgates. And because, you know, Saturdays are much easier to kind of just, like, lay back, enjoy the day, and, you know, enjoy going to the United game. But I from what you were saying though it looks like mostly saturday games and i am excited for that right yeah um 
Yeah, once the schedule dropped, I immediately started thinking that I needed to take some time off of work <laughs> uh, to be able to hit the road. Um, are you besides the home game? Like, are you are you trying to hit any of those away matches on the first oh, four? Uh, definitely. Uh, we're gonna try and hit the El Paso one for sure. Um, maybe not Springs. We're kind of still debating on that because that is a pretty far drive. But if we play Phoenix, that's that's a must. We already said about like we cannot miss that one. Right. Yeah. Those are going to be some some killer matches. Um. So then, kind of shifting out of this a little bit. Um. And, and any really last thoughts you have, um, whether on the technical side, the tactic side, or even on the fanfare side, um, anything that that is sticking out in your mind that you wanted to talk about for a few couple, for a couple minutes? No, I'm pretty sure we kind of did cover everything. I got my thoughts out on the El Paso match with what I liked and what I saw, but other than that, I mean, it's, it's pretty much it. Okay. And then, so then I guess the last thing that I thought about and uh, is uh, so the other day, you know, uh, a gentleman had passed away, uh, Johnny Molina, you know, and, you know, obviously, you know, huge supporter of New Mexico United, um, you know, the the club put out a video, it was about eight minutes long, um, and really it was like the speech that he gave the team, he was an honorary captain, and he had so many great things to say uh, in his speech, like, you know, I was... I literally just want to give a reaction to it. I don't know if you watched it, but um, it it really like every word that he said. It I held on to each word, and it was just so impacting to me um, that you know definitely I could see internalizing a lot of what he said even in my daily job or even in what I do at Seek and Strike, and you know and you know the two words that really stuck out to me. Um, that he said was play United, you know, he said, play United. And, you know, he says, when you're out there on that, on that pitch, when you're in that black and yellow, he's like, he's like, you're United. He's like, play United, you know? And, and, you know, that eight minute video, I, I could have listened to him so much longer. And, but it literally had me like in, in tears, man, more than Cody or Chris Weehan leaving us like Johnny Molina's words, just, it broke me, man. I I literally watched it, and and I mean, I I felt the tears drip down my face, and and you know, instantly the first thing I could think of was just to share and talk about like how it impacted me, and so, um, you know, so to kind of end on 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 a kind of a commemorative tip, like you know, or or a piece, like, you know, did you get to watch that video? If not, um, man, I recommend that you do. Yeah, I I actually didn't get to watch the video yet. Um, you know, it's like those things that like I I know what it is to feel to lose someone close to you, and I can't imagine what it's like for his family right now. And it's just it kind of takes me a while to kind of watch those things. And um, but you know, I am sorry for their loss, and they have my condolences. And if they ever need anything, like you know, don't be afraid to reach out. But I kind of was looking, like reading the captions and stuff, and 
and it is some words that you can take with you there from what you said you know play united and it's you know it's true and the other things he was saying too you know it's and what coach Troy was saying like it's humility it's diligence it's this and that and and it's true it's all of that and it it's something that when i see like those pictures it's like it's crazy because he was there on saturday and it's just it was very surreal to me when i saw the news on monday yeah right well on that tip we're going to end this episode um you know rest in peace johnny molina um you will be missed but your legacy will live on uh you've been listening to another episode of we are seeking strike podcast for Alicia and myself, Chris Walker, we are out until next time. You've been listening to We Are Seeking Strike podcast, brought to you by the Beautiful Game Network. Find more USL-related podcasts and written content at bgn.fm. To never miss new content, consider subscribing wherever you get your podcast. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, please rate and review the episode. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube at Seek and Strike Collective. Lastly, we'd like to thank our sponsors, Roughneck Scarves and Icarus FC. Roughneck Scarves, the official scarf supplier to MLS, USL, and US Soccer. Get custom scarves for your group or team at roughneckscarves.com. Tired of the same old uniforms and cookie cutter templates from Nike and Adidas? Looking for a unique, completely custom kit for your youth club, Sunday league squad, adult or even pro team? Icarus FC can help you create the kit of your dreams at an affordable price. Let them help you design your new custom kit today at IcarusFC.com.